Welcome to New Mansion Church. What you're about to hear is a message from our pastor, Dr. Jeff Mars Sr. To learn more about the church, visit newmansion.org. God bless and enjoy the message. Good morning to you. I, uh, I have been to Louisiana. They gave me a piece of paper that said I learned something. And then everyone asked that question, now what are you going to do? And I have to tell them, I'm going to keep trying to do the things that I've always tried to do. And you know, I've, uh, I think we all have goals, we all have the things in our minds and our hearts that we want to accomplish in life. As Christians, we certainly should have that. And my desire is to to do things with excellence for the Lord. Now, I have fallen far, far short many, many, many times in my life. But that's my desire, to, to live a life of excellence for God. And that's all I'm trying to do, is to achieve that. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to get there. I'm not sure any of us will in this life, but that should certainly be our desire. I had an old friend one time, he he told me this. He said that, um, he said, you know, everything we do should make God look good. That was his, his theology. That was his philosophy in a nutshell. And I think it really is a very good one. Everything we do in our lives should make God look good. You know, whether it's the time that we spend in worship, the time we spend together in church, the time that we spend out in the world, uh, at ball games, at the work that we do, wherever we are, whatever we do, everything we do should make God look good. Uh, I'm still working on that, just like we all are. But I believe that as we desire, as Danita saying about, to see things from the shepherd's point of view, uh, there's a part of us that simply has to trust, to stay there with the Lord and trust Him. Now, I remember as, as a little kid, we it seemed like we traveled a lot, and uh, I never doubted where Dad was driving to. I never questioned him about the route that he took or, the, or how long it was going to take. I'm sure I, I complained about that a time or two, but... I understood eventually we'd get there. Now, there were times I wanted that shepherd's point of view. There were the times uh, sitting on his lap or standing there and driving. You know, you remember that when you were kids? Standing up, mom or dad letting you drive. Really thought we were big stuff, didn't we, when we got the chance to do that. We had the shepherd's point of view right then. We could see everything that was in front of us. Now, you young people won't relate to this, but, but when we, people of my age, were kids and we drove, we drove like this, okay? <laughs> there's just, there's no, not enough slack or play in steering wheels today, I don't think, that everybody just drives like this today. But when you drove in my day and time, when I was, when I was little, that's the way you drove, just to stay on the road, right? And one day, Dad asked me, he says, why do you drive like that? Why are you sawing on the wheel like that? I said, well, that's what you do, Dad, when you drive. (laughs) I'm just imitating you, the things that you do. Never had once a worry or a care if I was going to be in the ditch or anywhere else. Now, he kept instructing me and telling me, now you've got to turn, turn the wheel, turn the wheel more here and there. 
But you know, we didn't worry about those things. We had that we had that point of view, but we weren't worried about anything. And then we grow up as adults and we begin to worry and worry and, and wonder, can we trust God? What's up ahead? What's next? What's the next step for us? Sometimes we just have to step back and realize we are there. We are in His hands and He is holding to us and He is keeping us and He's going to see us through these things. We are to walk in His presence, as Vicki sang. And... God just makes the problems of life seem smaller. We still have problems and difficulties, but praise God, He's in control of all things. And He's going to see us through. He's going to see us through them all. Well, the highlight of our week, we had some really good Cajun food in Louisiana. It was, it was very good. And thankful for that. I have a card here from our dear friends at Kincaid's, Chuck and Clara. It says, with special thanks, this extra special thank you note sent to you today holds more appreciation than words can say for you're among the nicest people we have ever known. And you'll never be forgotten for the thoughtfulness that you have shown. And it is signed, God bless you all, Chuck and Clara Kincaid. And certainly we are blessed to to be able to assist in whatever way, uh, as we give our hearts and our prayers to the Kincaids, and certainly do wish God's blessings upon both of you. Let's continue to hold them up in prayer as we move forward together as a body of believers. And that's what we want to do. We want to move forward together for the kingdom of our Lord. This morning, if you would turn with me to the book of John, John chapter 15, We've been asking that question for several weeks. Who is Jesus? And we've looked at Christ from several different angles. And this morning as we open John 15, very familiar scripture, we want to talk about Christ, the empowering branch. And the key word there, of course, is being empowered by the Lord, but not only that, but we have to realize that Christ, as the, the Bible referring to, to him as that word branch, uh, the Hebrew word for branch is, most interestingly enough, the word netzer. And the word very close to the same word that we have for Jesus of Nazareth. And so the Bible pointing to him again and again and again as the branch. But Jesus referring to himself here in John 15 as not just the vine, but the true vine. And now he's reminding us that we are the branches. And what a fitting picture that is for us this morning. John chapter 15, as we look at the first five verses of this particular section of Scripture from the Upper Room Discourse, John 15, verse 1, Jesus saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 
Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Our thought this morning, Christ, the empowering branch. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, as we come into your presence once again, the presence of Almighty God, we are so honored to be here before you, to submit ourselves to you, to learn of you, Father, and to listen to what you have to say to each of us. Father, we ask you to speak this day. For your servants are listening, listening for your voice, Father, listening for your action in our lives, for your direction that you give to us. Give us discerning ears this day, Father, to hear from you and to hear of you, that we might love you more, Father, that we might follow you, that we might trust you, that, Father, the things of this world would would grow strangely dim before us as your light shines brightly. And as we follow and seek after you this day, Father, Father, may we trust in you as well. By faith, we proclaim you. By faith this day, Father, we live our lives for you. And by faith, we trust in you for all of the things that are ahead in our lives. We place them in your hands, Father. And we ask you for your heart, a heart of readiness and willingness to trust you, and to love you, as we ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Interesting thing happened in New York City here a little while back. An article that I have, it says, New York City man arrested for the 23rd time pretending to be a transit worker. Darius McCollum, who became a sensation when he commandeered a subway at age 15, was arrested Saturday after police found him in a secure area of Manhattan's Columbus Circle Station wearing clothing that resembled a transit worker's uniform. The arrest marked the 23rd time the 43-year-old man was arrested on charges of pretending to be a transit worker. Over the years, he has donned MTA uniforms and cheerfully collected fares, cleared trash from the tracks, put out underground fires, and driven MTA buses and trains. On Saturday, officers of NYPD's Transit Queens Task Force spotted McCollum as he entered a secure area. He was wearing a hard hat and the typical blue t-shirt and pants of track workers and carried a flashlight and gloves with a Transit Authority logo. What in the world is going on here? What is wrong with this guy? He's arrested 23 times because he's pretending to be a transit worker for the Manhattan Transit Authority. You would think that he would just go in and apply for the job, you know, and say, hey, can I, can I work for you guys? But for some reason, that's not what he did. For all of these years... For 28 years, this man has been pretending to be something that he's not. 
For 28 years, he's been arrested 23 times because he keeps going in and, and putting on the uniform and going and doing the job. And maybe collecting fares, I can, I can kind of see his idea there, you know, collecting fares for them, but he's out there putting out fires. He's collecting trash and, and distributing things and working in all this manner. And yet he's not, um, uh, he's not a part of the Manhattan Transit Authority. And so the police keep coming and getting him and taking him away time and time again. He keeps coming back. Maybe he just really likes the uniform. I don't know. I don't know why he's doing this. But it's interesting, isn't it, that, that somebody would want to be identified with somebody so much that he's really, he's really not a part of that, that group at all. Well, you know, sometimes we ask ourselves when we, when we think about as Christians a vital relationship with Christ. What is really involved in, in having a vital relationship with Christ? Is it someone that just attends church? Is it someone that just is near Christ in some ways? Is it someone that, that just speaks fondly of Him from time to time? And I think we all struggle at times, even, even as Christians, having the experience of surrendering our lives to the Lord and then to walk in service to Him, the big question for a lot of us is, what does that relationship really look like? And obviously, if we are walking in Christ, if we have surrendered our lives to Christ and proclaimed Him as Lord and Savior, then we are living under a relationship, a believer to Christ. And there's a connection that's there, but, but the, the, the problem there so many times for us is, how do we portray that in service to the Lord? How do we show that? How do we show that we love Him, that we honor Christ? How do we, how do we show that we're serving Him? And Jesus gives us this analogy this morning as He speaks to us in John 15, saying, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. And so there, Christ most eloquently portrays for us this picture of what the relationship should look like for you and me as believers in Christ. If we have proclaimed Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus says that we are now the branches. He is the true vine. The branches growing out of the vine and being a part of that. Now, we have to understand as Jesus is speaking these words to his disciples, speaking them to the eleven disciples that are gathered with him. This is the last night before Jesus is arrested and then crucified the next morning. They have already had the last supper together and they have left the upper room and, and they've crossed the, uh, the brook Kidron and they're headed up the Mount of Olives. And as they are nearing the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is speaking these things to his disciples. It's Passover, so there's a full moon, and so everything is very much illuminated all around them. It's one of those nights, uh, you know, of a complete full moon when it's almost like daytime outside. And as they would climb up the Mount of Olives, the temple would be right there before them. Now, on the door of the temple, there is a golden vine. On the door of Herod's temple, uh, there was a golden vine that was there. The vine is the symbol for the nation of Israel. Spoken of again and again throughout the Old Testament. And so, 
the disciples seeing the, the grandeur of the temple and having many questions about the temple, many of the things that Jesus had said about the temple, they're now questioning. This, this grand and glorious site that Herod had, had erected for all of the Jewish believers of the day and time of Christ, there before him. And they would look at this, and perhaps they were even looking at that at the temple and the vine that was there on the door of this golden vine. And Jesus now says to them, he says, I am the true vine. The true vine. And you and I in our lives, many times we look at a lot of things to determine not only their worth, but our worth as well. We look at careers and occupations and the, and the things that we're busy about and the things that we do and the things that we invest our time in. And we say, you know, if it's a good cause, then it makes me a good person. Causes like the Peace Corps and uh, Samaritan's Purse and things of this nature. Volunteer work that's done, perhaps. Legitimate causes that are much in need. And we want to pour ourselves into the good things of life, absolutely. We want to avoid, certainly, the traps and pitfalls of life. But for these 11 men that would shortly be excommunicated from the temple, driven out of the synagogue, and hunted down eventually and and would eventually give their lives for Christ, they had to understand, just as we all do today, that all of the pursuits of life and all of the things that, that we seek after on a worldly scale, those things are all fleeting. Those things are all temporary. Those things all pass away. It's only what we do for Christ that makes a difference for all eternity. And I think about my dear grandmother and, and that saying that was upon right upon her very furniture that she had in her house. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Those things impress you as a child when you look at those things. You look at your life, you look at your young life, and then you look at the lives of those that are around you. And Jesus reminding us that we have an opportunity and we have an obligation as well to abide in Him, to trust in Him. That that's that relationship that we must nurture in our lives. To be those ones who cling to Him. And trust in Him. And Jesus reminding us as well that as the vine grows from the branches, that the reason that the the vine is there is to bear much fruit. And so you and I as those branches from the true vine will bear fruit because Christ is fruitful. We have the opportunity to bear fruit. We have the opportunity to be recognized as those who are fruitful for Christ. But Jesus going on to say this, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing at all. We forget that sometimes in our lives. We, we forget the fact that, you know, as the Bible says, in Christ I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And we believe that and we promote that and we uphold that, but we have to look at the other side of that as well and say, without Christ, I can't do anything at all. Without Christ, 
in my life, without Him being the guiding force of my life, without His direction in my life, I can't do anything. Now we live in a strange day and time today. I think we're we're certainly at a place where perhaps we have never been, at, at least in modern times, in modern history. I don't think there's ever a time when the church has been more demonized and more marginalized than it is today. The world wants to take the church and marginalize it. They want to to take the the church, the Christian experience, and say, well, that's all right. You can be a Christian. You can go to church if you want to on Sunday and even on Wednesday night. But keep that to yourself. Keep that part of your life to yourself. You put that over here. Don't share that with us. Don't let us know about it. You do your thing and we'll do ours. And society in general has marginalized the church in our day and time. And it continues to happen more and more and more. And that was not the intent of what Christ had spoken here. What Jesus is talking about as the vine and us as the branches, He says, we go out and we bear much fruit for Him. Then we go out as those who are fruitful for Him to be seen by the world, to be recognized for who we are, for what we have. And that is that we carry within us the very precious Word of God and His Holy Spirit working in us. That great things can come forth. That in His name, we can see people saved, that we can see lives changed, that in His name, glorious things still happen. And miracles still abound. And Christ's work continues on. That's the blessing and the hope that we have as Christians. And that's a good place to say, Amen. Trusting in the Lord for what He has for us. Now, uh, we talk about knowing Christ. We talk about being in Christ. But what about abiding in Christ, as Jesus says? He says that's what this relationship should look like for you and me. It is a relationship with Him. It's not a chance meeting somewhere and then going our separate ways. But He says it's about a relationship with Christ where we speak to Him and we learn of Him and we listen to Him. And we understand if we've been bought again by the precious blood of Christ that that blood is cleansing, that it holds atonement for our sin, that it is the precious blood of Christ that has washed us white. But now this is what Jesus says. He says to you and to me and to to those disciples that were there, He says, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. Just as we have been washed by the blood of Christ, just as, as we have been saved. As the old preacher once said, he said, you know, we either get right or we get left. He said, one day we're either going to fly or we're going to fry. There's only two... There's only two options that are there, you see. It's only one or the other. It's either heaven or it's hell. There's no intermediate ground. There's no middle ground at all. And sometimes we forget that. But Jesus says this. He says, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. You know, there's a lot of days that you and I walk through this world and we get the dirt of the world on ourselves. I'm not saying we're out there looking for dirt, but you know what? It just has a way of finding you. And the things that we see and the things that we hear and the things that are around us, 
I am absolutely amazed at some of the things that they put on TV today that they call entertainment. And you don't have to be flipping through the channels to find it. I was just standing in the lobby of the hotel, and there it was on the TV. And my first thought was, I can't believe that they have something like this on TV. My second thought was, I can't believe they have something like this on TV that they're subjecting people to. And then I looked around at the other kind of people that are wandering around the hotel at 2 a.m. in the morning, and I said, well, maybe it makes more sense now. I don't know. Have you ever been out at 2 a.m. looking around at some of the... Yeah, what are you doing out there at 2 a.m. anyway, looking around at other people? Strange things go on. It's like a whole different world out there sometimes. You know, a lot of places we go in our lives is, is like a whole different world. A whole different experience that's there. What about us? Jesus says, now you are clean through the word that I have spoken to you. Christ wants to cleanse us through his word. We have his precious word in front of us. And he says, now we can pick that up and we can read that for ourselves. And we understand that as we, we look at the words of Christ and as we struggle to comprehend what it means and as we listen for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, that somehow God is doing something and he's saying, now you're abiding. You're abiding. And I'm saying, Lord, this doesn't feel much like abiding. I feel like I need to be a lot closer to you. I feel like there needs to be a lot more. And Jesus says, you're on the right track. You don't understand. When you pick up my word and you read it for yourself, when you enter into prayer with me and seek me, he says, you're abiding. This is the very act of abiding. And Satan will lie to us again and again. He'll say, well, when you have more time, when you can draw closer to the Lord, when you can get alone, you know, for like the four or five days at a time and really seek God in that manner. Or, or you, you need an hour or two to really do this right. No. Jesus says, now is the time that you come before me. And so we seek him and we draw near to him. Even if there's just a moment or two. We opened up his word and we struggle to comprehend what he has to say to us. We listen for his voice. And don't be afraid to ask him for his blessing. When we say, Lord, I need you to cleanse all this junk out of my brain. What is junk? It doesn't have to be the filth and the garbage of the world. It can be all the busyness of the world of today. All the stuff that we get so involved in and so caught up in it, and we got to do and we got to do and we got to get these things done and, and there's just so much and it presses on us. Where does Christ go? Where does the priority to abide in Him go at times like that? Well, I'll get to Christ whenever I have time. I, I will pray when I have more time. It's Satan's great lie that he uses against us. When you have more time, when you get older, when you know more than you know now, when, when you're, you're smarter or you're better looking, or uh, and I've got sad news. None of us ever get better looking when we get older, okay? So, we just get older. And we get more distinguished. Now, I will tell you that. We get, we get more distinguished than we were before. Better looking, I don't know about that. 
When we have more time, when we have more opportunity, when we have more ability, when we have more finance or more income, or it's always something that we're looking for that stops us from abiding in Christ. And Jesus says, I want to speak my word into your life. I want to cleanse you from these things. I want to, to raise you up, he says, as men and women of Christ, as soldiers in the army of Christ. Not those who are hidden in a corner somewhere, but those who are proclaiming Christ and living for Him and trusting in Him and raising the banner high. There was a day and time when Christianity was promoted and it seems like in in our day and time, as I said, it's marginalized. The world says keep it to yourself, keep it quiet. You've got a great message. Just enjoy that yourself. You find your truth, I'll find mine. We'll go our separate ways. And I'm overbearing. Or I'm annoying if I reach out and tell somebody else. If I instruct them, if I, if I step on their toes in some way to say, this is the way, walk ye there in it. So What? So what if they don't like the message? So what if they feel like I'm overbearing or annoying? Was Christ putting those words upon your heart? Was He giving you that message to speak? Was He giving you that opportunity? There's a lot of people that won't like you for a lot of reasons in this world. Let one of those reasons certainly be because you stand firm as a Christian for Christ. Of all of the things that they won't like you for, well, your fences aren't tight enough, or your fences are too tight, or you don't have enough uh, strands of barbed wire. I, I've heard all of those things before. You know, a fellow ought to keep a better lawn than you do. Well, amen to that, but... <laughs> my wife's on the front row with the amens there. But of all the things that they don't like about us, certainly one of the things that, that they regard about us that they don't like should be the fact that we shine for Christ. The world should look at that and they should say, well, you know what, if I've got a problem with that, they're, they're too mouthy for the Lord. They're always saying something about Jesus. They're, they're so overbearing in their, in their spirituality. Why can't they just tone it down a little bit once in a while? You see, most of us don't have that problem. But the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be stuffed into the box that this world wants to stuff you in. Now, I saw an amazing thing the other day. They were selling these t-shirts. It was a full-size t-shirt, and it was stuffed into a little package about this big. Just amazed me that they would somehow take that thing and stuff it down into that little package. And I almost bought one just so I could open it up and see if it was really a full-size T-shirt in there. Because I thought, how in the world did they do that? How did they stuff that great big T-shirt down into that little tiny package? Well, I got to thinking about it, and I think I have the answer. They squeezed really, really hard, okay? That's how they did that. And that's what the world does to you and me. It squeezes on us really, really hard. To say, this is where you belong. These are your boundaries. Come to this place and no further. And Jesus is saying, now wait a minute. I'm the vine. You're the branches. What about all the stuff and all the problems and all the worries of our lives? 
Jesus says, if you abide in me, he says, my words will abide in you. If we will trust in the Lord, if we will abide in him, if we will cling to him. You see, the problem with us as Christians, once you've given your life to Christ, once you profess to live for him, here's the problem. We're not really good for a whole lot other than that. And that's the same thing about the vine, you see. If it doesn't bear fruit, it's really not good for anything else. It's not like you can say, well, the wood, we can use the wood for something else. No, it's really not good for anything else. Its primary purpose was to bear fruit. And that's your purpose and mine. To be those who bear fruit for the Lord. If we don't bear fruit, what are we good for? read a story many years ago about a, a pitcher, Dave Dravecki. Some of you may remember his name from years past. Good pitcher, had problems with cancer in one arm, developed a cancerous tumor. They removed the cancer from his arm, and he went back to pitching again. And they said, give it a year. Just wait a year and, and let your arm develop. And, and he was, he was a, a good man, a Christian man, a solid man for the Lord. He said, I just want to get out there and I want to get back in the game. I want to, I want to be used in the way that I was designed to be used. And he got out there and he, and he pitched a spectacular game. And, and he was pitching again just shortly after that. This was only six months or so after his surgery, I believe. He pitched three no-hit innings. Just amazing for a man to recover from surgery and get to this point. But you see, they had, they had removed a lot of, a lot of uh, muscle from him. They had frozen that, the bone of his arm. And he began to falter in the fourth inning. And he allowed a home run. And then into the fifth inning, he was pitching. And as he threw a pitch, his arm broke. And they said you could actually hear the sound of his arm breaking all over the stadium. It was that loud. It was that excruciating. And they hauled him away in a stretcher, and his pitching career was over. And because of that, ultimately his arm was amputated, including his shoulder. The cancer had returned. And as he lay there and languishing in that, questioning, what do I do now? Well, I'm happy to say that even though that was several years back, Dave Trevecki is still alive. He is still working for the Lord. He is still speaking for the Lord. And he's still busy about God's business. He may have lost an arm. He may have lost his shoulder as well as his arm. But his heart is still there with Christ abiding in him. What about you? You may have experienced some loss in your life as well. You may have had your way rerouted several times. But are you still involved for Christ? Are you abiding in Christ? Stand with me as we close our service this morning. How can I abide in the Lord? Well, I have to be just like the branch to the vine. I have to cling to him.
I have to be intertwined with Him. I can't be off on my own doing my own thing, wearing my own uniform, wandering around, pretending to be something that I'm not. There has to be relationship that's there. Are you abiding in Christ this morning? Is your life hidden in His? Are you intertwined with Him? Is heaven a reality for you? Or do you look around and say, you know, there's things that I see in my life that need to go. There's things that need to start. New starts come through Christ. Whatever that is, would you commit that to Him this morning? And ask of Him to cleanse you. And His Word promises that He will do just that. Father, as we commit our lives and our hearts to You, we ask You for Your cleansing. That You would cleanse us through Your Word that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit, that you would give us discernment between good and evil. And Father, that you would give us boldness to speak for you, to proclaim you, to bear fruit for you, so that others may taste and see that you are good, so that you will be glorified in all things. And as we commit to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, we trust in you that you will make us fruitful. Thank you, Father, for your word that has made us whole. We ask it now in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us at New Mansion Church Online. We would love to connect with you at newmansion.org. You can connect with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Marsh Sr. at pastorjeffmarsh.com. God bless, and we hope to see you again soon.